Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video and audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, You can, right now, uh, our current issue still has the wonderful Terry Brooks up there, my conversation with Terry. But starting this weekend, uh, my next conversation with the one and only Deb Gleddy. Uh, yes, I've talked to her many times. She's got a new book out, Heart and a Body in the World. And it's a good book, timely book. And I just love Deb, love talking to her about writing. Another great conversation. That'll be up this weekend for our new September issue. So you can check that out at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, who have been supporting from Penda Publication since 1955. Uh, you know, the PNWA, they've got their, their yearly writers' conference. Let me give you the exact dates. It is, yes, so September 13th, Thursday, September 13th, is the first sort of day. The 14th is really when it gets rolling uh, that start, that's right down at the uh, Doubletree here in, in the SeaTac area near Seattle. It's a great conference. I believe they still have space left, but they're starting to get to close to capacity. So I would highly recommend if you still want to go to the conference, you want to pitch your book to agents and editors, take some classes. I'll be teaching a class in personal essay, plus I'll just be hanging around, talking to people about writing. If you want to go there, uh, meet other writers, be around other writers, learn about writing, I recommend you check it out at pnwa.org. All the information you need is right there. Okay, not much to say about me. Nothing much is going on right now, so let's just get right to our guest. Uh, now, he, today's guest, Philip Kenny. I'm glad I got him on the show. Philip is a uh, is an unusual guy. He's a practicing psychotherapist who taught uh, or has taught self-psychology as part of his private practice. Uh, he's a longtime meditator and poet. Philip is the author of the novel Radiance and a collection of poetry, Where Roses Bloom. Now, he's, he, uh, he strives to bring together the worlds of psychology, creativity, and spirituality in his work and is the author of a new book on those subjects titled The Writer's Crucible, Meditations on Emotion, Being, and Creativity. It's a good one. I had the pleasure of... Uh, Getting to, I don't always get to do this, but I got to sit down with Philip when I was down in Portland about a month ago. And, boys and girls, in our current, still our current issue of uh, author, he has an article in there about writers who don't feel like they're good enough. And, oh, that's too many of us, I think. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. I'm glad to be talking with you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you about. Well, you're welcome. You know, so in the beginning of the show, I say I always say I've been saying it for however long I've been doing this show for six years, seven years, whatever. What it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. The the creative process that is looking at a blank page and saying, "What do I want to put there?" is very much you kind of can learn how to live that way. And it seems to me this is particularly true of you. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I would. I think it's uh, even more so since I've been actively writing. Um, and um, since I wrote the novel, I think, is what, where the real turning point is, where 
it, it all kind of came together. Writing seemed to be the missing link between my work and psychotherapy, my meditation practice and spiritual inclinations and uh, creativity. Yeah. So and, I think and, it, it just started to blend together kind of seamlessly the, the whole writing life with uh, my life uh, out in the world. Yeah, and and uh, now you're going to be publishing an, another piece in the magazine here sometime in the next few months. It talks about your yeah. your writing journey. And yours is unusual in that uh, you didn't come to it young like a lot of people. Uh, most people right. know, you know that's kind of what they did. Although you were interested in the arts from the early, from early on, weren't you? I mean, painting and music. Well, when you were a kid, yeah, uh, intermittently. Um, I had moments of awakening when I'd be <laughs> third grade when I was interested in painting. Uh, watched a show on TV and took it into school and painted a big mural and then. And a few years later, I ran into American Bandstand when we moved to New York from Ohio, and that was another uh, radical uh, new culture. I yeah. bet my brother five dollars I'd have a rock and roll hit by the time I was thirteen, and that was a very bad. <laughs> went off bet. on that for a while. <laughs> that was <laughs> so I think I had to was... see. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a good bet. I... Oh, what? <laughs> but he was generous. He was generous and didn't collect. But, uh, oh, that was nice. Was he your older brother? So I think I had the seed in me. Yeah, my older brother, Yeah, five years older. I had the seed in me, but it just, uh, you know, growing up in Ohio where there's very little culture of that sort, uh, it just didn't have a chance to get going until I was much long, uh, much older. Yeah. Well, yeah. everyone comes to it differently. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, everyone does come to it differently. And... Uh, like I said, you got a piece coming out, and but the piece is really quite good and deals with not just how you came to it, but sort of Thanks. what you thought about it. It says a lot of great stuff about just how it kind of opened your eyes to a lot of things. But um, maybe you could share with the listeners sort of like what that, what your kind of awakening moment was. Because like I, like I said, it's very unusual, and it was sort of um, – almost mystical in a way, the way it kind of cracked <laughs> open for you. It really was, it was, it was quite mysterious, really. And it's still, uh, when I, whenever I tell the story, like when I told it to you the first time, I thought, whoa, this is, this is really uh, un, uh, unusual. But yes, I was, uh, you know, I've been practicing psychotherapy for about 15 years and into the early 90s when, you know, I've been working, treating people for depression for many moons. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the uh, Prozac revolution uh, came on the scene, and people were writing books about it and talking about it uh, being something of a miracle drug. So uh, I've had a there's been a lineage of depression in my family, beginning with my grandfather on my father's side, and I had struggled with it here and there. So I thought, um, you know, allegedly to as a wanting to know what my patients were experiencing, I thought I'd do an experiment with it. And secretly I was thinking, God, I hope this cures me. I hope that cure me of my feelings. <laughs> right. Help me. Uh, so I started Prozac. I started a routine of Prozac and I took it for about eight weeks and I uh -huh. felt uh, worse than before. I felt, you know, uh, flatlined and, uh, 
Um, so I said to myself, well, I sort of prefer the other ups and downs of the other um, depressive feelings. So right. I decided to stop, and I just cold turkey, which is a bad idea, which I, I talk about in the, the article a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I just stopped cold turkey, and uh, the next three weeks were absolutely worst of my life. I just felt t- terrible hopelessness and despair and uh about and three weeks in to the withdrawal, I uh, woke up. Well, I went to sleep feeling hopeless. <laughs> woke up on a sunny, beautiful Saturday morning with a full-scale anxiety attack uh, raging yeah. through my body. And uh, but lo and behold, this is the miracle part. Uh, on the tagged to the anxiety attack, attack was a poem, a twenty-line poem completely intact and um mind you I was it, wait, it came to you college, but, uh, i'm sorry so it came to you you kind of yeah. you could you had the whole thing kind of, it really it was kind of like athena from zeus a little bit that particular poem it was it was it was wow. all it was all scribed all written wow and all written out all written out um in full detail and uh, mind you it was it was a terrible poem but let us not judge uh, that it saved your life that didn't seem <laughs> well, it didn't seem to matter if it was terrible no. because uh, I went and I wrote it down in the in my notebook for some reason or another. I'd never really liked poetry or in the uh, in the past, and uh, right. but I wrote it down. I think I intuitively knew this was something, uh, you know, out of the ordinary. And when I after I wrote it down, I read it through and I thought, well, this is not so great, but I didn't feel anxious anymore. I didn't feel depressed. I felt excited. I felt I, I was in. I, I somehow had connected with a current of uh, creativity. And then I, you know, went on to. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon, and I. Next thing I knew, I was introduced to William Stafford, and I read his stuff and loved it. And uh, a couple of things he said uh, were all I needed to be off to the races. And I started writing poems. I wrote a poem every morning for ten years. Eighty percent of seven days a week. That is the first one. Yeah, seven days yeah. is just fine. Seven days a week. That's a great. It's seven a days great a week. Discipline because you start. It's you, a great you report, practice. Yeah, because eventually they get a little better just by sheer. You they just do. can't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me. I. Well, I, I think uh, I was I really not thought, a poet. I'm. I'm not a poet. I really don't think so. But there were there were some pretty good ones, but. By and large, a lot of them, which is not unusual for poets. I think maybe seven out of ten aren't so hot, but uh, right. but it was mine. And boy, there were moments when that you know just that phrase or that metaphor would come, and I would just feel, oh boy, this is I'm in the flow, I'm in the groove here. Yeah, yeah. and this yeah, is it's, pretty fine. It's good stuff. And I was, but I was, I was 45 as... when that happened. I, I was 45 years old. You know. Yeah, that's most that of my friends are write, were writing stories be- when they so they could pick up a crayon. You know? Well, yeah, well, it's it's typically nine is when a lot of people kind of know yeah. like, oh, I want to do this. But you know, I happen to yeah. like your story, Philip, because because it breaks that mold. Because I I don't believe in the well, some got it, some don't, or it's too late, or whatever. And in fact, yeah. I'll tell you now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, because I deal with I teach people of all ages. And I'm going to use yeah. your story, Philip. You're now in my. You're now another arrow in my quiver. <laughs> when people tell me, oh, I worry that it's too Please late. Do. You're going to. 
I'm going to mention you. So I was thinking about something as I'm listening to your story. Uh, the Writer's Crucible, it's a really good book and beautifully written, too. I don't always mention that, but I do think it is, and I think it helps because well, it's like kind of a how-to book. It is kind of a meditation, but it also gives advice and has some exercise. Very nice. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you, but it deals a lot with, with shame and also with the thought, and I think this is a profound thought, and this is what your article is, the one that's currently in author is about, but I'd like to talk to you some more about this. The yeah. concept of not being good enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Yeah. And I was wondering, yeah. uh, when, before, before you took Prozac, <clears throat> before you were writing a poem every day, do you think you were living quietly with the thought that you weren't good enough? Do you think that that was just sort of like a, 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 like a, just like a filter that you had to look at life through? Yeah, I think it was not so quiet. I'd say at times ah. it would bubble up and be very obvious to me, and at other times I, I believe it was just ruling me unconsciously. Yeah. So yeah. yes, definitely. And I, I think I absorbed it from uh, many generations in my family. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I you know it's funny. You, I'm glad you... you know, I really think yeah, it's. On. I think it's endemic, epidemic now. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I really think it's epidemic and, and kind of at the heart of a lot of what troubles uh, Americans or people in the West, at least. I ain't just people. Because, you know, I work with people. I work with all sorts of people, Bill. I work with, you know, I work with a lot of writers and artists. And believe yeah. me, they, boy, <laughs> talk about struggling with it. Yeah. And I work with, you know, neurologists, uh, teachers, <laughs> uh, it just all sorts of people. And, boy, it's it so often comes down to, oh, there must be something wrong with me, or, yes. oh, I'm damaged. And, oh, you I'm a, and, you know, that is, in my mind, that is, a, that is a cognitive narrative that takes shape in the psyche, but it's really organized around this primal feeling of uh, shame. Yeah. Uh, and shame instructs the narrative uh, of not feeling... Worthy or deserving, or you name yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think it Does is. That makes sense. So, oh, yeah. totally. It, you know, but I, you know, I've we're, my agent and I are currently shopping a book called No One Is Broken because I just think that the yeah. concept that you there is something wrong with you because the way I always think of it is because I certainly kind of dealt with that because I hadn't succeeded for a while and I felt I should have blah blah blah. But you yeah. ask the question, yeah. what's wrong with me? And the thing is, if you ask that question, you will get no answer because there is nothing wrong with you. But you think, I've got yeah. to fix this. Like, if I'm sick, I've got to get me made better. And so the question itself, what's wrong with me, is painful. Just the question. Yeah. Because it, it suggests that there could be something wrong with you, that you could be broken, damaged goods. Or it, it suggests that you believe you are, that there's a certainty exists inside of you. It's yeah. actually a great meditation to meditate on that question or to give it a, you know, a, a, a design in your mind, like picture it as, you know, for me, it was the, the image was that I was a skinny kid. So I thought, you know, the oh, whole Charles not, Atlas yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Up, but, <laughs> yeah, I was skinny too. So, That's right. I was skinny so you too. Tried oh, to, I'm not strong. I was like, totally skinny. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> so you try to meditate. You try to try to find that that broken yeah. you and you can't no you can't find it it's not there that's it's there in your no. mind in a very powerful yeah. way but 
it isn't really there. So I think in the last article I wrote for you, I said something, but it's, it's utterly false, but it can be uh, just terribly convincing. And these narratives and the, and they stem from shame. They stem from this terrible, it's that's the slime feeling, you know, it's just the feeling yeah. that I'm bad. I'm bad. Yeah. And, Boy, I'll tell you, I am bad. Not I wrote a bad sentence, but I am no, bad. I yeah. am. Yeah, that's a uh, that you know that's that's a thought that crosses all disciplines. You can be atheist, or Christian, or Jew, or every everyone believes sort of in. It's a weird thing I always say about people who are atheists. They don't believe in God, but they believe in the devil. Like they don't believe in good, but they believe in evil. Like that's the part we can yeah. all sort of agree on that we're we're sort of born rotten and broken and terrible, and. Uh, yeah. But yet you're absolutely right. You can't find it if you ask about it, if you try and find what's sort of wrong with you. Although there is this thought. So you you talked about when you write, right? Don't you have the experience of, I know you have the experience, you're writing along and you think, wow, man, where did that sentence come from? Like where did that poem come oh, yeah. from, for instance, the very first book? I mean, that to me is always when you're really cooking, when stuff is coming to you, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's true. Isn't it possible? One time I try to turn everything into the positive. Here's, what do you think of this? That when I say I'm not good enough, it is true in that I can't write it on my own. Like I can't do it on my own. It's me plus something yes. else that really does it. Like that's the truth. Like I yeah. don't know the answer, but something else does, whether you call it your subconscious or God or whatever you want to call it, uh, the source of creativity. Because right. that feels true to yeah. me. Like I'm not, I can't do it all. Yeah, what do you think of that? Well, I think it's uh, I uh, think that's entirely true. You know, what really made turn me into a writer in my own mind was when I wrote the novel because I was completely sure I could not write a novel. So when uh-huh. I turned sixty, I made a list of things I thought I could not do, and the first uh-huh. one was playing the piano, and I was right on that. My left <laughs> yeah. hand was scarcely connected. <laughs> okay. But I I'm sat sorry. down and I did the. Uh, I said, "Well, I'll try the novel," and um, man, it was um, transforming because just that very thing happened. There's so much came to me unbidden. You know, yeah. yes, I put myself at the at the table every morning, and yes, I thought a lot about it, but I would have. Uh, morning writing periods where they went pretty good, but you know how it is. There's always problems. And I would go to sleep at night and I would be regularly awakened at 2 a.m. with the answer to the problem. Yeah. And whole sentences, sometimes whole paragraphs, Bill, streaming through my mind. So I'd have to get up sometimes in the dark. I'm trying to write these things (laughs) down. So I absolutely (laughs) believe, you know, that that is true and that there is uh, you know it is of course a solitary vocation and and yeah. i think last your last guest was talking last week uh, about it being lonely which it certainly can be but often i don't feel lonely when i'm writing uh, no. i feel no. lonely when i send it out in the world but yeah. i feel like i'm not alone <laughs> i feel like right. i'm really when i'm in the groove i feel like i'm with this creative source and it's if I'm listening, if I'm really listening and not trying to be clever, uh, it speaks and it's beautiful. And then I, yeah. it needs me. So I work with it, but it's, it's me and it's not me. Yeah. And I like that. I, that's, 
I get high I on agree that. More. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I actually, um, we were talking about. I, I know. I, I remember. We got to talk about loneliness, but the truth is, I never feel less alone when I'm writing. Is if I'm in that state, I never feel Isn't less that alone than when. Yeah, that's the way. That's I feel. It's it actually it it teaches me the truth about what it is. I what 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 the source of my loneliness is. It's not people. It's not being around. Although I like to yeah. be around people, it, the lack of people is not the source of loneliness. I think it's the it's well. That's why I think this attention. is a, writing and creativity. It's a spiritual practice too, because it yeah, connects you up with something bigger than yourself and and yeah. this uh, you know ineffable um, presence. Did did you have a because I I kind of came from a background uh, where there was no religion in my house and uh, my parents had gone to church but by the time I showed up they were done with that sort of and so my my own relationship to spirituality was a little I was a little reticent about it you know uh, I just like wanted yeah. to write my stories and be famous and you know it didn't work out that way initially. I eventually came to it, but what was yours? Because some people very open to the concept of spirituality. Some, a lot of writers I know, not so much. Although they're doing this thing that is, you know, where their characters are talking to them and the muse, and they start sounding like gurus, whether they want to or not. So, what was your relationship to it prior to writing? Oh boy, that's a long story. But I, you know, I grew up uh, in Ohio, you know, where everything was kind of compulsory and. And we right. the um, Lutheran Church, the Missouri Synod, which and our pastor's name, if you can believe this, was Pastor Sauer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a uh, oh my god, it's a Raoul Dahl character. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of joy around that place. And no, his uh, catechism Lutheran. class was the toughest class I've taken in all my years wow. of college and graduate school. So. Uh, wow. So I was pretty uh, sour to, uh, on religion, uh, yeah. but you know I grew up in the, I came of age really in the late '60s with Woodstock, Summer of Love, and the '70s and California and New Age yeah. and spirituality. So I've always, but but I've, to tell you the truth, I've always had a thing for. I wouldn't have called it. I don't know what I would have called it back then, but um, for. Um, spiritual or I think like almost mystical experiences. Even as a boy running home in the dark, I had these experiences of disappearing, like first my body, then my breath, and then I'm just this field of energetic joy running home. And I didn't really think much about it. It was as if, if, oh, I I know this, even though it was totally contrary to our culture. Um, Right. So I've had, I think, a leaning towards that and a suspicion of it, but, and I still do. I still feel the suspicion of the organized aspect of it. But the experience, the the experience of writing or meditating or being with people in com- intimate conversation is is so overwhelming. It's undeniable to me. Um, yeah. And yeah. writing has really helped me make the link with those in a, in a way that I so grateful for it because at one point they felt like disparate parts you know just sort of clanging around and right right but they're not they're really not no 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 i think i used to deal with writing that way too and i and i've come to the point where i think i want to live the way i write in other words i want to be as disciplined in my thinking 
and my attention when I'm just bopping around the world yes. as I am when I'm yeah. writing. Because I'm quite disciplined and like I was like I always think like well you know if you're writing a story you wouldn't write down sentences you hate. Uh, you wouldn't write down sentences that depress you and that frustrate you. You just get rid of them if they don't blow. But when I'm out in the world, I'll think some stuff that just shouldn't be on my page at all, you know? And I don't yeah, notice that right. I'm thinking it, and yet there it is, and it's like gumming up the works. But if it were on the page, yeah. I would say, no, 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 that doesn't belong. That's not what I want. Yeah. And I'm, I've gotten better at it, uh, I mean, out in the world, so to speak, but it's, uh, it's not as clean as when I'm, it's just me and the page. Well, I know I've, I've, heard, I've read some of the things you've written about that, and I, I think that's really wonderful, and I, I wish more writers Thanks. would read that. Well, um, I appreciate that. Because I, I think uh, that, you know, is something that it's really brought to me It's in terms of uh, how I in, engage with the world. I had the same problem with meditation, you know. I'd get up, I'd have a beautiful meditation, and then I'd right. walk out in the world and be resentful, you know. Right. <laughs> i got to deal with this. Right. Or I'd get up from a good writing experience, and I'd walk out, and yeah. cats would be obnoxious, and I'd, oh, jeez. But, yeah. but the writing thing was the link of, of the, the invitation to wake up, really, and yeah. be present and throughout life. And yeah, I like a, that. It's, yeah, it's a great thing, which is that you're on one hand, you know, because the page is blank, you have to create yeah. a purpose. So you have to say, well, what do I want on it? So there's a kind of deliberateness to it. There's a, there's a purposefulness yeah. to it. And yet, simultaneously, there is a, as you said, I'm so glad you, this is the best language I've ever found, which is listening. You're really not thinking. You're really listening. Uh, and so even yeah. though while you're being deliberate, you're also in collaboration with something that you don't want control over, that you're, you want to sort of follow. Yeah. And so it's a weird yeah, mixture of sort of, of like, I'm doing this, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it, I'm not doing it. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good way to describe it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good way to live. It's a good way to live. Well, it, uh, yeah. What? What? Go ahead. What did you want to say? What oh, I think I was going to say that? something about my my. Well, there's actually a uh, a chapter in the book um, on uh, the page where a lot of it's blank, yeah. and I ask certain questions about what it evokes, what blankness the blank page evokes, and uh, and people needing to and me needing to relate to uh, emptiness and does it scare you or does it um, whatever so yeah yeah I'll tell you yeah. what scares the bejesus out of me just in my life like if an empty moment comes up like <laughs> oh god well it's being a little dramatic but it's it's boredom and has been a thing for me most of my life am I yeah. afraid of a sentence yeah. needs to be written no I'll sit there and wait for 15-20 minutes for the sentence to come but if I have 15 minutes without something to do in my living room oh my god <laughs> I, I I can quickly spiral out. So I, again, I gotta uh, learn to balance them. Now it's life. All right. So listen. So the name of the book is The Writer's Crucible: Meditations on Emotion, <laughs> Being, and Creativity. It's a good one. Uh, if you liked fearless writing, then I think this book would be right up your alley, people. I do. It's it's, yeah. it's even more sort of. Uh, it is more of a meditation, even, which is nice. I think for uh, readers to just sort of sit with someone 
who is thinking spiritually about life and writing. It's great. It's a great reminder. It's like having a good friend. So I recommend it. The writer's I think they're I think they're really good compliments because in, mine goes into a little more into more depth of, on the psychological factors that can interfere yes. with fearlessness. So it's a yes. good compliments, I think. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But I'm not quite done with you, Philip. Uh, although we okay. God knows we've sort of been answering this question the whole 30 minutes. Uh, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Do you have to finish this sentence? If writing has taught me anything just taught me one thing it's taught me what <laughs> i'm prepared for this question oh okay <laughs> so i've listened to a few of your many of your uh, shows okay good <laughs> can i answer it in three parts <laughs> yes please oh good you really are prepared I, well, okay good well i said th- you know so the, the quick uh, glib answer is that writing taught me that i could write because i really didn't know i could Right, right, right. Part B is that it taught, you know, writing and it continues to teach me uh, what I really feel and think. Because I, when I, I, I don't know, some, some people aren't like this, but to me, I'm never quite sure what I'm, in, in my deepest self, what I'm thinking and feeling until I start writing, it seems. Yeah. It really yeah, brings what, it out yep. and connects me. Yeah. Um, so that's been great. And then the other thing, it's, it's just taught me what I suspected for a long time, which was that I, that the writing, the creativity and psychology, emotion, all that, and spirituality are not separate. They're right. really three faces of one force that pulses through everybody. And yeah, that's yeah. Uh, been invaluable to integrate, to help me integrate that suspicion. That's great. But it was an That's intellectual great. suspicion before, and now it's an experience. And Experiential goal. knowledge is the only real knowledge, isn't it? Yeah. Experience Amen. when you know it. That's right. Well, all right. So if people want to learn more about you, Philip, uh, you go to Philip. Is it philipkenny.com? Is that the website? There's a hyphen between Philip and Kenny. philipkenny.com ah, with a hyphen philip-kenny.com. in the middle. Gotcha. All yeah. right. Well, okay. Well, listen, it was great talking to you again. Again, the book is The Writer's Crucible. You can pick it up. You can check out his stuff on Author Magazine. There'll be another one coming out here in a little bit. Uh, I don't yeah. know when. I haven't decided yet. But, Philip, thank you. Okay. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, good luck with all your other projects, whatever they may be. Oh, yeah, they're lining up. Thanks, Bill. It was bet- a pleasure. Hope we can do it oh, again sometime. Welcome. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Take it easy, Philip. All right. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, oh, it's good. Teach you how to live. Teach you how to write. Teach you to... Philip, he said something interesting about bringing together the sort of the spiritual, the psychological, creative. It's kind of all the same. Brings it all together in one thing. It's certainly true for me. Certainly true for me. Well, we're going to be on a spiritual journey here because we're going to be to the author Gary Gock next week. That should be interesting. He's always got something interesting to say. Uh, well, until then, you know, go find something you love, you just love to do, and uh, do it. That's what you do. doing.